The last three years have been a turbulent time in British politics, to say the least. And that turbulence reached extreme point over the last couple of weeks. I don't know if anyone watched some of the scenes at the prorogation of Parliament uh, earlier last week, but it was quite extraordinary. Now, most of us, of course, have never heard of the word prorogation, probably, before watching it, but now we all have strong opinions about it. This, supposedly the mother of all parliaments, seemed to have descended into a playground squabble, indeed worse. What is most disturbing, perhaps, was the vitriol displayed between the two sides. There was no sense of two sides who disagreed with each other attempting to engage in constructive dialogue. Instead, each side sees the other almost as evil incarnate. No desire for a way forward, but rather a desire to obliterate the other. And society as a whole, certainly politically, is more fractured than it has been for a long time. One of the great strengths of being Catholic is that we can unite around our faith. Even if we may disagree with each other politically, there is a higher claim on our lives than politics. And may this always be the case. As St Paul put it, we are to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called, with humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. So our first priority as Catholics is to preserve that unity in faith, for our unity in Christ is far more important than anything happening in the political world. That said, as Catholics, we are still called to contribute to the society in which we live. We should indeed engage with politics, because that is how we work out how we live together as a society. But it should never become our God. So what should be the guiding principles as Catholics when we engage politically? Well, firstly, let's not demonise those who don't agree with us. To give an example of the dreaded Brexit debate, <clears throat> Remainers are all too wont to dismiss Brexiteers as small-minded little Englanders who hate foreigners and want to restore some sort of mythological British empire. On the other hand, Brexiteers are all too wont to dismiss Remainers as anti-democratic lefty elitists who want us to be ruled by unelected nameless bureaucrats in Brussels rather than giving the people a say in their own destiny. Now both views may be true in some cases, but probably aren't in most cases. Both views take the most extreme position and pretend that's the mainstream position. Well, here Thomas Aquinas can help us. He always sought to give the arguments of those that opposed him their best and strongest interpretation, rather than setting up a straw man. This, he believed, was the best way of approaching the truth. And seeing that we still study his writings over 700 years after his death, he may be worth listening to. So a starting point for us as Catholics is not to demonise those we disagree with, but rather to see the strengths in their position and to assume that most people, on the whole, 
are not being deliberately malicious. The church does not support any one political party, largely because no one political party fully upholds Catholic social teaching. Catholics will come to different decisions on who or what to vote for, whilst all doing so for reasons that are genuinely Catholic. Sometimes in the Gospels, Jesus appears to be the sort of proto-socialist, giving away all your possessions, challenging the authorities of the day, warning against the dangers of money, promising that the poor will inherit the kingdom of God. Yet the next minute, Jesus can seem very different. When the woman anoints his feet with expensive oil, it's Judas who makes the good socialist response. Surely this should be sold and the money given to the poor. And Jesus retorts, the poor will be with you always. What she has done is a good thing. Jesus doesn't fit into any political box and neither therefore should we. No political party can lay claim to represent the Christian view. For the Christian view, the Catholic view, transcends political boxes. When we vote at elections, perhaps the best we can do is to see which party, or even which local MP, most closely coincides with the views of the Catholic faith at this moment. It's not an easy task. Should I vote for a party that upholds the family, and the real meaning of marriage and local community? Or should I vote for a party that protects the poor, promotes union rights, and so on? And currently none of the parties are opposed to abortion as policy. All these things are good Christian causes, but rarely are they all found in one party. Whoever we vote for, there's going to be something we don't agree with. And each of us under God has to make our own choices. There are committed Catholics of most political persuasions. I say most because there are political persuasions a Catholic shouldn't support. An openly racist party, for example. To help us in our decision-making, the Church has a treasure which is often overlooked. It is her social teaching, her social doctrine. And one of the keystones of Catholic social teaching is the doctrine of the common good. At first sight, this sounds like socialism, but there is a fundamental difference. Socialism will argue that in order to achieve the greatest good for the greatest number, the rights of the individual must submit to the state. The Catholic idea of the common good, on the other hand, always insists on the overwhelming importance of the individual created in the image of God. What comes first is the fact that we are created in the image of God. In the Catholic vision, it is the person that matters, not just the people in some abstract manner. The common good seeks for the thriving of all, not just the many at the expense of the few. To put it in the words of various church documents, the common good is the sum total of social conditions which allow people either as groups or as individuals to reach their fulfilment more fully and easily. The point is that the Catholic vision never loses sight of the individual person and the small communities that make up society, the most fundamental being the family, of course. Jesus didn't come to save an amorphous mass of humanity. 
He calls each one of us by name. The Gospel reading today shows how much Jesus values the individual. In all his parables, the overwhelming concern is with the one who has strayed rather than the many, the lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. The shepherd could just say, I have the 99, I can't risk that for the one. But Jesus risks all for the one. He seeks the lost and gives all to do so. He will seek you wherever you may go. He will seek you whatever you do. You may reject him, ignore him, abuse him, slander him, yet he will never give up, for you are his precious child. And he will go to the extremes for you. Indeed, he went to the extremes for us on the cross. He is longing for each one of us to turn to him. He will never abandon you for the sake of the many. He is passionately in love with you, and lovers only have eyes for the beloved. So Catholic social teaching is not capitalist or socialist. Rather, it is the outworking of God's love. Catholic social teaching has as its aim no less than allowing society to be a place where people can find union with the God of love. And so it can never fit into earthly politics whose vision stops merely in this world. This is why no political party or ideology can ever claim to be the Catholic party or ideology. Our faith is too big for that. Our God is too big for that.